Wolves. I'm Foxglove. I'm Sage. I'm Sunflower. And I'm Iris. And this is And They Were Roommates, a podcast about modern love, life, and everything in between. Disclaimer, we are not experts at being adults. We have just lived through a lot. This week, we will be talking about finding a therapist and giving constructive criticism. So as an opener, we're all in therapy. (laughs) Yeah, officially all four of us have managed to find a therapist, which is super exciting. And it's great. Highly recommend. Yeah, I think this is the first time we all are in therapy at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Great. Which if Fox and Sage didn't have therapy on the same day, we would have just like four days straight of therapy every week. (laughs) And I do think that would be funnier than what we currently do. Yeah, Yeah, but then we would have to schedule around it. It's true. It's It's already a nightmare with three days. Honestly, it's a shame we can't have everyone's therapy on the same day and condense everyone's like emotional experiences into the same like six hour period. That sounds like a bad idea, Fox. I I like that we can space out our emotions a little bit. My therapist thinks I'm too invested in efficiency. (laughs) Yeah, I believe that. I'd say tell us more, but we have other topics to discuss today. (laughs) Like, what makes a good therapist for you? Yes. Not generally. Uh, Should we start with, like, what it looks like to maybe need a therapist? Or should we jump right into what a good therapist for an individual looks like? I think people can evaluate for themselves. Like, that's a whole subject in and of itself is, like, how to know when you need to go to therapy. Yeah. If you're considering going to therapy, go to therapy. And Therapy's good for everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to say that is, even if you don't like acutely need therapy, which congratulations, you're in a good place in your life, it can be helpful to have someone to bounce things off of just like in your everyday experience. It can be very revealing. It can be very constructive. I would venture yeah. to say that if you're ever planning to have children, you should maybe just hit up a therapist just kind of with a spirit of like covering your bases. Absolutely. Yep. It's also like you can go to a therapist and a therapist will honestly tell you after like a couple of sessions getting to know them and stuff too, just to be like, no, I think you're okay. Yeah. I think you got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That reminds me of Foxglove's mom um, at one point, <laughs> yes. um, like went for a tune up and like went to therapy for a while. And then her therapist was like, you're cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she went to like four sessions, I think. And the person she was seeing was like, honestly, you seem like you've really learned how to cope with your own life and like you seem like you have it together and you seem really like proud of your kid and you seem like you need to move out of where you live so like (laughs) maybe move somewhere less isolated and I think you're gonna be okay on the absolute flip side I made it to like two years and was like hey therapist uh I maybe feel like I might be done am I done and she was like if you want to be done I will let you be done but I would like to continue seeing you (laughs) (laughs) And that ended up being a good idea. Yes, it was. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, what makes a good therapist for you is that that is not a subject I feel particularly equipped to handle, but I am happy to hand it off to one of y'all. Yeah, um, I can speak a little bit to that. There's a lot of factors that go into what makes a good therapist for you. First of all, baseline, um, find a therapist whose style works for you. Um, there's a b- bunch of different mm-hmm. types of therapy uh, with different like methodologies and approaches to how they actually do therapy. Um, I encourage you to look into those. We're not going to go into like intense detail because I'm not a therapist um, and I do not have a psychology degree. So I wouldn't explain them as well as somebody on the internet who does would be able to. <laughs> but um, like, for example, um, I knew I was looking for somebody who does cognitive behavioral therapy. And like, 
get used to all of, like all of those different terminologies, do some research on that and figure out maybe what type of therapy you're looking for um, and what you think might work. And a lot of that is trial and error, too, of like finding a therapist, trying them out, seeing if you like their style and paying attention to what type of therapy they do. So, you know, next time what you're looking for. Another thing is um, if you're part of a minority group, mm-hmm. it's frequently good to look for therapists who specifically work with um, minority groups generally or your particular minority group. I, in particular, went out and I found a clinic that I'm I'm not looking for therapy about gender, but I went out and found a clinic that specializes in queer therapy because I was like, I'm kind of tired of having to explain the concept of being non-binary to a new therapist. Whereas like my current therapist, I was just like, yeah, I'm trying putting pronouns in like the name of a Zoom call. So like, do you mind if I switch them every once in a while? And she was like, yeah, dude, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> Yeah, I think the big thing, too, is is to, like, get a collection of, like, what you're struggling with together. Like, write it down, make a list. And really, like, there's websites that help out there and everything, too, of, like, you can filter by all these different things that you need help with right now. Like, I, I have trauma, so I looked for, like, a trauma-informed therapist. And, like, I specifically looked for a PTSD therapist because I was like, I've done some Googling. I think this might be it. I think this is the thing. Yeah. And I also like for this group and for people who listen who maybe are also poly, having a therapist who's like down with your sexuality is like really important. Absolutely. Especially because with polyamory in particular, this only happened with one therapist that I saw and I stopped seeing her for unrelated reasons after one session. But I told her I was polyamorous and her response was basically like, oh, okay, so you have attachment issues. And I was like, that's that's not what I said. No. That's very different from what I said. Thanks for trying, though. Exactly. Yeah. And there are a lot of places that will, like, advertise, or or therapists specifically, who will advertise, like, hey, I work with non-traditional family structures, or... That's the clutch phrase, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. however they decide to phrase it. Yeah. But yeah, I think um, what Sun mentioned about, like, also finding a therapist, like, if you have a particular thing that you're looking for a specialty in, it's always a good idea to obviously try to go and filter therapists when you're looking, which we'll get a little bit into, like, how to actually do the finding of the therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like, always look for specialties, um, minority groups, different types of therapy and i think the obvious one one that's like so obvious i think we forgot to mention it if you're only comfortable seeing a therapist of a specific gender you should also not try to push yourself that's not the environment to get experimental in that was yeah that was exactly what i was gonna say like i don't see doctors who are male uh for reasons and i also didn't want to see a therapist who's a male because I knew I would have trust issues with that. So like, yeah. you really need to like think about the important things for you to trust that person as quickly as possible. This is something that you're doing to, to help yourself don't put obstacles in your own way while you're trying to do that. Exactly. There are ti- places and times to like push your comfort zone, and I would put finding a new therapist not in one of those places or times <laughs> yep yeah i think that's the big categories of like what you what makes a good therapist yeah. for you yeah. yeah yeah i would really i would wholeheartedly recommend searching by like consider those things in whatever order they are most important to you like the most important thing to me was finding a therapist who had experience with trans patients so like no i didn't search for people who specifically had experience with adhd and ptsd i started with people who had experience with trans patients and worked my way down from there 
Exactly. Find what matters to you in a therapist versus what generally matters in therapy. Yeah. So do we want to touch on how to actually put all those different specialist requirements uh, into practice and actually find someone? Can I recommend that like most straightforward method that was very friendly to me, a person <laughs> with massive executive dysfunctioning issues? Yep. I just asked for a referral from someone who I knew was seeing a good therapist. I literally yeah. was just like, can you ask them to email me a list of clinics or whatever therapist. that take my insurance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I just worked my way down that list. That's how I found yeah, mine like too. If you have a friend going to therapy who's feeling good about the therapist they're with, like they know other good therapists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that that's actually probably the best way to find a new therapist is um, through a referral from somebody you trust who's also in therapy. Or if you're currently seeing a therapist, one thing I want to mention, because sometimes it's a matter of like, oh, you're in therapy with a good therapist, and then suddenly um, they're moving or switching practices or not taking your insurance anymore, and you suddenly Mm. need to find a new one, ask them for help. If you already have a good therapist, ask them for help finding your next therapist, because they will do that. And they are happy to. And they know you best and they know the kind of people that are going to be able to mesh well with you after having spent that time with you already. Yeah. 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 I think the other thing that came in handy a lot, I found my therapist uh, through psychology today. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was like a big, they have a lot of filters, they have location filters, they have stuff you're looking for, and they even have options for like all the different LGBTQ stuff and also like polyamory and all of it. A big PSA that a lot of this stuff that we're talking about when it comes to finding a therapist is specifically very US uh, A-centric. We live in Mm, Brooklyn, and that's where we have done all of our finding therapy. So we also have to navigate things like the nightmare of the United States medical system and insurance referrals system, pro- so referrals are probably always a good that. bet but if you live somewhere where you don't have to worry about paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars out of pocket every single week to find a therapist the insurance thing is going to be less of a concern for you yeah okay is there any other uh where to looks that we've thought about the internet is a bountiful place full of resources just make sure that you do your due diligence because the internet is a boundless place full of a ton of resources (laughs) and not all of them are good yeah and i will also say there are sometimes reference sites how i found my therapist was through um i think it's called the wait give me a sec i actually want to put in that plug there that is yeah that is a good one yeah so if y'all are new york city based like we are there is the manhattan alternative wellness collective and they are like it's like manhattanalternative.com and that is how i found my therapist not because the people that i ended up contacting through that website actually ended up having openings but because i was able to get a list from those people for other similar people and um the manhattan alternative wellness collective is a group of like people who are sex positive, all gender and lifestyle affirming therapy and wellness providers. So I found them to be super helpful for finding a therapist. Also, uh, uh, obligatory mention that there are other services out there that are not what you'd call traditional therapy, stuff like uh, Talkspace and BetterHelp. And your mileage may vary on those. It's a very different kind of service than just your traditional talk therapy. It does include some video sessions, some audio sessions, and like some text conversations. But 
yeah, it, it's not for everyone, but it is yeah. an option. I saw a therapist through BetterHelp, I believe, for a while. I have seen, including school counselors, <laughs> nine therapists in my life. Most of them were bad. <laughs> um, but I saw a therapist briefly through BetterHelp who was fine. I, I stopped seeing her because she wasn't really like focused in the area that I needed help in. But the thing I liked about them is that you can just straight up fucking ghost someone who isn't working out for you. Yep. No conversation get- required. Loved Yay. that shit. Someone refused to get my name right for an entire session, and I just bounced, and the next therapist I found there was fine. Yeah. The yeah. sole engagement that I had with Talkspace was positive, but I ended up finding my way back to a therapist who had worked really well with me before, so I did not end up getting that much experience with Talkspace. Um, but I can yeah. put in a plug for it for people who perhaps are not into video sessions or audio sessions and just want to be able to chat yeah. at someone throughout the day, which I know mm-hmm. can definitely be a helpful helpful strategy for talking with people. Or if you're in a tight financial spot. Mm. Which I will say, they do tend to cost more than you think they will cost. Yeah. It, yeah it's cheaper true. to do like text only than video yeah. or whatever, but like in terms of if it's all you can do, mm-hmm. it is somewhat more affordable than traditional therapy. I do want to just throw out there, we've thrown some names around. We are not advocating for or advertising for any of these individual. Yeah. Yeah. Purely based on our very limited experience. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we... Which is important to say. Thanks for yeah. the disclaimer, yeah. Iris. Um, I will also say if your best bet will probably always be if you have health insurance, see what they have for your behavioral health coverage. Yes. And if they have in-network stuff, try to find somebody who's in-network or if they have reimbursements or whatever. Like, really leverage what you do have access to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially because if you can get, like, a list from your insurance of places they cover, that is a much more manageable starting point than, like, psychology today is great. I can handle about 10 minutes on that website before I'm so overwhelmed I want to <laughs> cry. <laughs> also, um, in yeah. addition to going through your insurance to figure out what they'll cover – Behavioral health is often not covered the same way as a lot of yeah. other services through your insurance. So while you're asking your True. insurance about who or what Handle they'll cover, care. please make sure what other limits there are, what maximums or minimums there are. And if you are going out of network, as a couple of us are, how much they will cover and when they'll start covering that amount. Because yeah. Yeah. we live in the U.S. and there's some problems that go with that. Yeah, I was about to say, can you all- Life is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> can you all tell we've been like a little bit screwed over by the uh, healthcare system sometimes? Yeah, just, just a little. Just, just a little bit. Yeah, spot the people who got scammed by an insurance company. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the fact that on the scale of people who have been screwed over by the healthcare industry that were in the mild camp. It just yep. our standards are so low, guys. I mean, yeah, no, I mean we we aren't entirely in the mild camp considering the fact that like we did get like heavily insurance scammed for a year. Foxglove. <laughs> oh yep. yeah, there was. I sure as hell did. <laughs> well, technically, yeah. it didn't qualify as insurance. So anyway, that's <laughs> a separate story. Uh, but they did have a lot of charges thing. brought against them. Yay! <laughs> Big note. Anyway. We're all fine. We We're have we have health insurance now. It's good. What to ask? Iris, a you should start this one. New therapist. What to ask a new therapist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should start this one. <laughs> have a list. <laughs> yeah. Um. So when it comes to interviewing a new therapist, and that's a key word, interviewing. 
you are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. You want to find somebody who's a good fit for you. Do not settle for a therapist, especially if like in this current digital world where you can see a therapist who might be further away or might not be accessible otherwise. Try your best to find somebody that actually works for you, who has the specialties you need, and who you just like click with is is the biggest thing. Because um, I had in a similar case, I, I had forgotten one therapist earlier when we were talking. So I've had probably like six therapists at this point over the course of my life. Only my most recent one in a similar way to Fox. Only my most recent therapist is good. And from session one, I was opening up and I was telling her things that I never told any other therapist in years of therapy. And I immediately clicked with her and she's helped me so much. And it's because of the fact that we were able to immediately develop this rapport and we were able to um, immediately have that like just connection. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you need a couple of sessions to like figure out a dynamic with the therapist. That's okay too. But just make sure you're not settling for somebody who like you're not comfortable with or that um, doesn't really understand the way you communicate or the way that you're conveying um, your emotions or your thoughts or your feelings Mm. so find somebody that works with you so that's like my first psa and then second is what do you actually ask a new therapist um good things to ask is um about the style of therapy the way that they tend to do stuff if you've had problems with therapists in the past you can um you know pose a problem to them i know fox you've done this if you want to talk to that a little bit of like hey i tend to do x in therapy how will you combat that (laughs) Yeah. Um, historically, part of the reason I've had issues with therapists is because they I will walk in and I will be like, X thing is really upsetting me. And then I will have trouble talking about X thing because I'm not good at talking about my feelings. And then they will go, well, you're not talking about X thing, so you must be fine. So when I started looking for a therapist this time around, I had like a list of questions, the first two of which were like, I'm trans, you cool? And the second one was like, I'm poly, you cool? <laughs> and the third one was like, here is a problem I have had in the past. How would you handle something like this? Like, how would you handle someone who was upset about something but having trouble discussing it? And based on their answer, I would proceed from there. You can do this during a first session. You can also, um, a lot of therapists will do a phone consult ahead of time, either on request or as part of their standard practice. And I'm not going to lie, not my current therapist, but the previous therapist, I like got on the phone with her and I was like, I'm trans, you cool? I'm poly, you cool? And I got to my third question and I like ran down the list and she was like, oh, okay, when you said you had questions and you'd been to therapy before, you meant you knew what you were doing. And I was like, yes, yes, I do. (laughs) Thank you for asking. I do know what I'm doing. Answer my question, please. (laughs) um you're allowed to be kind of a hard ass with a new therapist is my point here you should be Yeah, you're entrusting them with your mental health exactly you should be pushy you can go in and be like here are my specific questions here are my specific concerns i absolutely write that shit down before first sessions and i go in with a notebook and i know that makes me look kind of intimidating and that's okay it's okay for a therapist to be a little intimidated if you show up with like a page of notes 
Yeah, you should That's be, what I would you say. should, whatever that you think would help you get more out of your therapy, you should ask questions about it. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a lot in there. And also like, I less formally went into it because I did like a big long screener and then like, they helped me decide who out of like 15 people would fit me best based on like availability and what I would, what I needed and all that shit. That is the nice part. If you go to an actual practice, they can yeah. help match you with a therapist, which is like a yeah, extra nice little step. Typically, there's someone who knows enough about all of the different people at the practice who can read your responses to the questionnaire that you give answers to and go like, hmm, I think this therapist would be the right person for you, or perhaps this person if that person is not available. And it is a very mm-hmm. convenient process. And then you read process. some bios. Yeah. yeah. It's not, I'm sorry, you were saying. Definitely. Definitely was. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, I I think it was really just like, so I just like hopped right into first session and that was the first time I ever met my therapist and everything. And I really tried to like, luckily I live with the people I live with, obviously. Um, So I came home and everyone was like, how did you like them? Were you comfortable? Was it good? Did you like them? Were they nice? Is it like a comfortable place? Did you feel safe? And like, that was really good. I I think I needed to be like a little interrogated because I was so nervous to go to therapy because it was the first time not seeing like somebody who was mandated by a school. Yeah. And that was like a really rewarding thing. And I think something that I like to keep in mind when it comes to therapists and everything is like, you're paying them. You pay them Mm -hmm. like a lot of money. So like, if they're not working out or you're not comfortable or you, you just don't like it, it's not a good fit and everything, they're probably not worth it then. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I think that brings us beautifully to the last thing we wanted to discuss, which is knowing when to leave. Look at me doing <laughs> a those like, nice smooth transitions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> delivering really the It's a group effort. It is. So I've learned some lessons about this. Do you want yeah. to tell us some lessons about this? The first thing I've learned is that I tend to be excessively generous with therapists because I have really intense anxiety. And so like, no, I'm not comfortable with my therapist. <laughs> um, like, even my current therapist, who is excellent and, like, really pays attention and really thinks her, like, you know, words through and takes time to, like, make sure that I'm doing okay, I'm extremely anxious with her. So, no, I'm not comfortable with my therapist. And in the past, that means that I have come at it with this attitude of, like, I'll warm up to anyone given the time. Fun fact, that has produced me exactly zero results. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, I've had therapists in the past who were fine. I saw one woman through Talkspace who I stopped seeing because I wound up in the hospital, and then my life got really busy, and I didn't talk to her for a while. For unrelated reasons, I should add. For unrelated reasons. Uh, I had pneumonia. It was fun. I have seen a... Uh, I saw a therapist when I was much, much younger who was fine. Like, she was fine. But the issue with the fact that I tend to be excessively generous is that, like, with the last couple of therapists I've seen, I've really had to, like, have the others kind of hold me accountable for being honest about how I feel about them. And being honest about, like, well, you know, like, this person's canceled on me, like, three times with really very little notice. And, like, you know, that I don't I don't like that and I don't feel great about it. And, like, being able to articulate that, like, I had a specific problem rather than just being, like, I'm anxious because I'm in therapy and it makes me anxious to have to interact with, like, a medical provider. That was that was key. So I would say that, like, if you are someone who is anxious in unfamiliar social situations, It's okay. Don't cut and run the first time you have a therapy session and you feel pretty anxious through it because that's very common. But also, like, if you have someone in your life that you trust, maybe have them talk to you after your therapy sessions. And if you really, like, don't 
vibe with how the therapy is going, four sessions, five sessions, that's probably enough time to have a sense of what's going on. Absolutely. Like, there are things that are, like, red flags immediately. Like, I once went to a therapist who said that they were super duper queer friendly and then I walked in and asked about like mentioned being bisexual and like I had to define it for her and I was like cool I'm gone Um, yeah just not worth it at that point it's just not worth it at that point like I shouldn't have to define my identities to my therapist I shouldn't have to explain my existence to my therapist also if they're saying they're queer friendly they should know the like basic definition of each of the things Mm -hmm. exactly But so like there are some things that will immediately red flag for you and you can walk away. But like for the most part, especially when it comes to down to that, like developing a rapport and trying to get past that initial anxiety of going to a new therapist, give it a couple sessions. And um, like Fox said, see if you can talk about it with somebody that you trust. And I do want to highlight that that conversation with somebody you trust does not in any way, shape or form have to be about the content of the therapy. It should just be about are you comfortable? with this therapist are they helping you do you feel safe do you feel um yeah supported you feel like they're listening that can look different person to person is the other thing like really the thing i lo- i was looking for when i went out and found my current therapist was i was like i really just need someone who's going to like hold me accountable to talking about the things i said i was here to talk about and like she does a great job at that i'm cripplingly anxious in therapy the same way <laughs> i'm cripplingly anxious every time i go to a doctor and it's just going to be like that for a while that's okay It's still a new therapy relationship, too. Yeah, like, I wasn't necessarily going into this expecting to find someone who, like, made me feel, like, safe and fine from the jump. And I was upfront with my therapist about that. I was like, hey, I'm going to be pretty nervous for a while. That's okay, too. Part of the advantage is that she pretty much went, okay, that's good to know. And, like, discussing the experience of interacting with a therapist with someone you trust can be really helpful to help parse whether or not you should keep seeing that person. Mm -hmm. And also, I do want to highlight before we like wrap up therapy that when you're going into therapy, um, especially if you haven't done therapy before, this will change over time. But it's helpful to inform the therapist like of what what you want to get out of therapy, not just yeah. why you're going, but what the end goal is for your initial therapy. That'll change over time. You'll probably develop new goals and new milestones and stuff like that. And where you thought you might end therapy might not actually be where where you end up at. But it's really helpful for a therapist to know when you're going in why you're going, but also what you want out of it. Yeah. And it's okay if what you want out of it isn't really clear to you up front. It's okay if you go in and you're like, what I want out of this is to feel better. Mm-hmm. I feel bad right now and I don't want to feel that way anymore. That's enough yeah. of an answer. Yeah, your therapist should eventually be able to interpret that vague of a statement and then be able to give you more actionable steps toward that goal. That is exactly. very literally their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have to know it all, but it, it helps if you, especially if you have a certain thing you're going to therapy for, yeah. if you Having have an idea of what you want good. to get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was pretty comprehensive, y'all. I feel great about that. Cool. Yeah. Okay, who wants to intro our middle section? Well, I was told that I'm the best at doing tongue yeah, twisters, do so yeah, you do I it. guess it's me. Yeah. Now I now I have to get it right the first time. Um, so we did this middle section for our very first episode as kind of a get to know us portion, and we had so much fun with it, we decided to bring it back. We have decided to name it Quick Quapple Questions. 
and it's just going to be us coming up with increasingly weird, as we run through the easy ones, questions for the group. Who wants to start? Uh, I guess we're taking suggestions for this if anyone wants to, like, email us or tweet us a suggestion. Yeah, you can send us, like, a not formal question. Yeah, send these, like, little weird ones, because we're going to run out. (laughs) Nonsense. The internet exists. Dangerous. I could go if nobody else has something prepared. (laughs) I have one prepared, but I'm saving it. (laughs) But you're saving it. Oh, yeah, to torture us. Okay. Yeah, I I decided to theme mine with would you rathers because we didn't do any would you rathers in the first oh, uh, episode. So uh, my first would you rather super small short one to start us off. Uh, would you rather hear the good news or the bad news first? Ooh. Bad news every time. That's a good hmm. question though. It depends like how bad is the bad news? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that specific. I would always rather hear the bad news first. Well, I just like if it's like if it's like a death in the family, I sure as fuck don't want good news and then bad Ooh. news. <laughs> yeah, but like, that's fair. But like if it's like, hey, they were out of stock of this thing, but I got you your favorite one, I probably want the good news first. Of like, I got you this really nice candy. It's not your favorite one because they were out of it, but I did get you this one. I'm like I'm like the other way around because I would re- always rather like lead off with the bad news and just sort of like take that accept it and then be left with the memory of the whatever good news there is just like let me exactly. let me end on that note yeah, exactly that's fair. that's fair yeah i feel like i tend to lead more towards um i want the bad news up front because i'm an anxious person and especially if somebody comes at me with like good news bad news and then tries to lead with the good news i'm like no 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 go back <laughs> what's the bad news first but no i think it really does depend on like the severity because you can like come in with some some like good news to soften a not so bad bad news like Mm -hmm. definitely and that can be really helpful yeah Yeah, it might make the bad news less bad right if it's like super minor bad news then it can be really funny to do it the other way around it's like I have this great good news, and the bad news is like they didn't have this candy or something like that. That it's just, just, just it's, yeah. it's yeah. funny. It's out of proportion. Yeah, yeah. That's I always want the bad news first every time. Because <laughs> you're deeply anxious. <laughs> That's because you're the most yes. anxious being ever. <laughs> the knowledge that there is bad news will ruin the good news for me. That's yeah. You know, you really did sum up my exact feelings about that as well. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that's a good summation of it. Um, I have a really non-serious question because I wanted to ask a bunch of serious questions about true crime related things, but none of my partners are actually <laughs> that into my interests. So I know they some things know about true crime. I listen to true crime <laughs> podcasts hey. for you. Yeah, but you don't like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you could answer like, what's what's if if you could have one case solved, what would be your case? I think you made a compelling case for Maura Murray earlier. Yeah, I would take that. There are some historical cases that I would love to get like real confirmation on. Yeah, they're not really like, you know, to some extent, like Jack the Ripper or whatever isn't like, quote unquote, true crime because it is passing into the realm of history at this point. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, still there are some it's stuff like true that. Crime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it's like, crime, yeah, no. true. I, I think your case for Maura Murray earlier was good just because the window there is so small. Yeah, that one's just an impressively weird disappearance that I still can't like wrap my head around. There are a couple more that like I personally want oh. answers to, but or Madeline McCann purely because I want to know how like 
how inept her parents actually were. I have an answer for Madeline Maycan, and we'll do it off mic because it's dark as <laughs> shit. Um, I, I think I'm going to go with Dietlo- Dietlov yeah, Pass incident because there's just so many confusing things about that case and what happened to mm. those hikers. And I, I know all of this they is really niche right? uh, listeners, but bear with us. We'll get to stuff that you don't have yeah, to Google every niche. scrap of. <laughs> These soon. are well-known things. I don't have any, and also, just as a reminder, we did cut a solid four minutes out of our last episode um, about serial killers um, (laughs) that made it into our bloopers, so here's a small plug. If you want to listen to uh, that, go on our Patreon. Us literally (laughs) just get bullied by Sun for our lack of knowledge about true crime for four and a half (laughs) minutes straight. I edited that blooper today. It's just a really deep interest to me. I think, personally, the more Murray case I would really want solved, I also really want to know what happened to John Bonet Ramsey. Mm-hmm. I want to know. I just mm-hmm. do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fair enough. But yeah, okay. We'll, we'll count that you as You said back. you had a non-serious question? question? Okay. <laughs> that was good. That was good answers. I liked it. Do you feel vindicated? Okay. I had fun. <laughs> uh, I can I can do one. I have one that I, I yeah. enjoy. Yeah. What's, to each of you, uh, what's the closest thing to real life magic to you? Oh, shit. Hmm. Like what? What natural phenomenon or like piece of technology is just like so goddamn amazing that it's just like yeah, this is actually kind of magical. I have a I passed physics answer, and I also have a I'm a human <laughs> answer. Which yeah. one are you interested in? Both. Uh, human. <laughs> on a on a totally human level, uh, the aurora borealis. Ooh, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is where it's at. And on a related note, the physics level is magnets. Oh, God. Yes. Ordinary magic. I was only forced to survive two semesters of physics. If you like physics, I fucking salute you. You are a creature unlike anything I have ever known in my life. God (laughs) be with you. I don't want to do physics ever again. (laughs) Um, But I got far enough to know that as soon as the, and how does the magnetic field affects this question comes out, you just go home. That's the end of your day. You just go home. Um, so Iris, you look like answer. you saw a ghost. You okay over there? <laughs> I just I know that like we're gonna turn off the recording, and I'm gonna be like, it's that. I know, like I have one, but like my brain is just blanking, and I'm like, I know I'm gonna have so many that I'm gonna curse myself for not saying. So I'm having a tiny meltdown in the okay, corner. Okay, <laughs> son, son, your turn. <laughs> I have a lot of answers to this one. Uh, first off, predictably, jellyfish. Why do they work? Yep. What are they doing? How do they even function? <laughs> I love them. They're gooey balls of love, and I want to hold them all. <laughs> I think also they want to hold maybe you just too. Generally, on the same like light thing, because light does stuff to humans and everything. Bioluminescent hmm. plants and animals. Yeah. yeah, that's a good answer. Specifically, like what is that on the beaches? Are they krill? Are they bioluminescent krill or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Algae. That shit. That's really fucking cool. Yeah, it does look very magical. Oh, 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 I have an important one. Bumblebees. How do they fly? What are they doing? <laughs> that one's a big I think one. They've actually disproved they've, that as a paradox. We know that science now. Yeah. That's fair. We have answers. <laughs> it's It still seems magical when they hold so much pollen and they're so fat. Oh, I love them. It's fine. I have um I have two <laughs> while we wait for Iris to to come up with Finish hers. her existential crisis. Just go crisis. like Chris Angel. 
Real life magic. <laughs> He's a mind freak. Uh, anyway, physics one black holes because as mm. much as I read about them, mm-hmm. I still can't quite wrap my head around the the conceptual angle of that. But they've all fascinated me from the minute I learned what they were. You know. The the fact that the word spaghettification exists uh, is thanks to black holes, so we got them to thank for that, too. It's um, a good word. And the, the technology thing, there's a new kind of, well, I, I guess it's not actually new, but um, drones being a thing now, and being able to wear a headset that allows you to look through the camera of a drone and fly just like like a bird through the air and see what the drone is seeing that's just that's a a cool thing that i cannot believe exists still that has developed literally in our lifetime yeah yeah i have a couple i stopped having my little crisis if if you if you want if you want some answers um i'm sure i'm gonna come up with better stuff after the podcast and i'm gonna fly into the room the second we turn off the recording and yell it across the apartment and i want you to know that in advance that's fine well Um, we'll make a post about it we'll tweet about it um but um yeah a couple things i was thinking about um uh on like a like large scale level um i think it's really like magical and fascinating the way that like humans progressed technology Mm. at the same time like oh like calculus yeah yeah yeah, that we just like came to the same conclusions, like disparate humans all around the world coming to the same like concepts and thoughts at the same time. Wild. That's really cool. On like a more modern technology level, I find 3D printers fascinating. Oh, the fact yes. that you can have nothing and then have something mm-hmm. that you printed with a computer, that's wild. That's the d- Mm-hmm. How do we do that? I don't know. I don't know how they work and they're magic. We today. were watching a How It's Made <laughs> video on this just the other day. <laughs> of course we, we were. And um, I also, I, I had this moment um, that I like walked into um, the room the other day and told Sun about where I just had this moment where I was like messaging a friend on my computer and then I like picked up my phone and I like ran to grab water from the kitchen and I like continued the conversation seamlessly by just picking up my phone. And I had one of those weird moments where I was like, wow, it's kind of magical to be living in the modern day and age where like you can just be in constant communication and seamlessly like move between different like technology platforms. And this wasn't a thing even when I was born. Mm. And like now it's just such a normal part of my life. Mm -hmm. It was like even when we were young teenagers, like texting really wasn't like a big thing. And now, like, that's literally all I do all day. That's not true. A hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some answers. Yeah. Um, am I up? Yeah. Should I start with a regular person question? Yeah, why don't you yes. start with a regular person question and then we'll get really unhinged at the end of this? Great, I love it. Uh if you could remake one movie, which and why you have like a minute to explain yourself so we don't mm. get too in the weeds for this, it is for me specifically. Fuck, you warned us about this and I didn't prep at all. I did warn you about this. <laughs> I know I did. I even warned you, you that I you were gonna need to have some stuff prepped so that you could rein me in when I inevitably went the fuck well, I'll off. I'll time about you, it. but I have no idea what I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do a trilogy? Yeah. Sure. I mean, like maybe maybe just a series. Um, the the prequel and the most recent Star Wars trilogies. <laughs> you are valid. Just like would You're love valid. to would scratch. love to see some people take another shot at that. Even if it was just like 
episode one just to set a better example um i don't feel like i need to explain myself that's my answer nope you're you don't. You're, you're valid <laughs> could have some star wars fans coming at us <laughs> yeah that's okay listen guys three like the the movies are not coherent or linear <laughs> One of these days. There are three of them and they don't make sense together. One of these days, I am going to make you watch them. Oh. Okay. That'll be your fault. (laughs) We watched The Room. I feel like this is not the worst case scenario here, guys. That's a cult classic. That is a very well known movie. So is Star Wars. So is Star Wars. More so. Okay. 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 Hold on. The Room is like an hour and 15 minutes, though. That's it. That's the only statement I have to say. <laughs> and the suffering is eternal. Anyway, next question. Ready to get in. No, not next question. Only one. You're the only person who answered. Next, next answer. Sorry. Sorry. I- Iris, Sorry. you go. You go. <laughs> okay. Um, I have a really silly one yeah. because I like I'm not a big movie buff, so I don't have any movies that I'm like, oh, this needs to be remade better. What I want is I want a remake of one of my favorite rom coms, What's Your Number? But I want it to be gay. Yes. Yeah. I specifically want yes. like almost any rom com I like. I want it, but I want it to be lesbians. Oh my god, you like, know it would be good as lesbians? The proposal. True. Yeah, true. the proposal. I also want that one. I just mm-hmm. want there are no like queer rom coms i want rom-coms with non-binary folks in it i want rom-coms with trans folks in God, it. i want rom-coms so right. with like a bisexual main character i want rom-coms that show the people who like like i grew up on rom-coms and uh, i want soft gay. gay men who show their emotions yeah yes yes mm. Yes. Yeah. Give me. There are so many. I I have so many. Like I have like a list of rom coms written down that are just like rewritten with different combinations of like queer folks, and it's just it's all so much better. And there's so much hilarity you could get out of like queer culture and gay jokes and like misunderstandings from being queer and stuff. It like would be good. there's just so much untapped potential. Hollywood get on it. Hire some gay folks and actually make me Hire some me. gay rom coms. Thank <laughs> you. That's my rant. The biggest mood. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Also, right. polyamorous ones. Yeah, give me polyamorous movies. Sorry, I'm done. I'm done. Are you sure? For realsies? You're done. I'm done. I like. I have a hard time with this. There are like there are movies that like could be better with remakes and stuff like that, but like I don't. I don't know. I like bad movies. I like tragically bad movies. <laughs> you do. I mean, like that's an unfair question for you. Everything else, Tommy was made. <laughs> what? It's an unfair question for you specifically. I like bad movies. Yeah. I don't know. I like campy movies. I like dumb movies where they fucked up the whole thing. I like watching bad horror movies because they're bad horror movies. It's the kind of person I am. I would have liked them to make. There's a book series called Fallen. And it's about angels versus demons and a bunch of other shit. And it's a pretty good book series. It has, like, some problems, i.e. love triangles. Why not just make it poly? It'd be better that way. Then it would be, like, a fallen angel and, like, the son of Lucifer and this girl dating. And I'm real into it. Um, It's vastly more potential. Yeah. But they made the first movie and they were going to make more and everything. But the first movie didn't really do well. So, like, I would remake that one because it would be a really cool, like, full movie series because like there's like eight books or something and like i would take more of it that's the best i got <laughs> excellent it's a good answer solid answer right, and we're supposed answer. to rein you in if you get toe off the rails right oh right we're all answering i would remake days of future past 
Yep. I, there it is. I dislike a lot of X-Men movies. I have a lot of problems with a lot of X-Men movies. Like, truly, watching an X-Men movie with me is an act of self-torture. However, I hate the movie Days of Future Past so goddamn much. I feel deeply wronged by its mere existence. I cannot believe they made Wolverine the main character of that movie. I could write five essays about individual problems with it, and they would all be 30 pages long, and I would still have shit to say. Like, (laughs) truly, I cannot believe they won't let Kitty Pryde star in her own goddamn narrative. I'm so sick of their shit. I hate that movie so much. I think that was less than a minute. It was. It was. I'm really was. proud of you. It was really good. I was gonna mark the time it's at the, the beginning, best but I comic, didn't. I love that comic run. Oh, now you're I love over. The, I you love really Days of Future Past. <laughs> now you're a minute and five seconds. <laughs> okay. someday I, I will do some an extended for rant. That can be removed, and then we can. No, no, no. It. Those don't get removed. The panic breaths are part of it. <laughs> I just it's such a bad movie it's both badly constructed and it is it angers me on a profound level <laughs> anyway i hate that movie i hate days of future past and i hate it even more because it's a genuinely good comic <sighs> you're done you you have no I'm more done. time we're done you, i'm you're- done <laughs> Hey, folks, uh, you'll notice that this does not feature nearly as many questions as we said it would. That's because it got super long. So I cut the back half of the questions section and popped it on Patreon as this month's bonus content. Go ahead and take a peek at it if you're interested. It features a couple of very reasonable questions and then me relentlessly bullying my three beloved partners for mm, about 10 minutes straight. So um, go ahead and check us out. And next time we're only going to do one set of questions because this got very long. All right. We have a question set in by one of our Patreon subscribers, Catherine. We answered the first half of her question last episode, so go listen to episode six if you haven't heard our conversation on compliments. The second part of her question was, what does giving feedback mean? As in constructive criticism, which society tends to see as telling everyone uh, everything that's wrong with a thing rather than helping the person, organization, etc. grow. So how do you give feedback? Fox, just like last week, I think you have a very clear and concise uh, formula for this. I so do. I'm going to just hand it off to you. <laughs> I, I'm i going to mention first up that part of the reason I have, I talked last week about how I struggled a lot in social situations as a kid and I had to learn some schematics. And so I learned a schematic for compliments. And similarly, I'm going to mention briefly here that uh, I have ADHD, which we've covered before. A common issue with ADHD is something called rejection sensitive dysphoria, which basically means that I really struggle to like, process my own emotions in like a healthy and productive manner um because my brain can't like perceive time correctly among other things um so rsd means that if someone hands me a critique it's much much harder for me to deal with emotionally um without it like feeling like a complete catastrophe so i have kind of learned a i've kind of had to learn to take criticism um which has been challenging but b i've kind of learned how to recognize unhelpful critiques or like bad feedback when i see it purely because i had to learn how to like 
parse it in order to keep myself from having like a meltdown every third day in college. Mm. So I think the key thing is to say that bad feedback, like not in the sense that someone is giving you negative feedback, but when they are doing a bad job at it, in my experience, that generally looks like if it's only criticism with no suggestions on how to fix a problem, no indications on something you're doing well, and um, how do I want to put this last one? Uh, the expectation that you're going to take their word as gospel. Mm. Like no sense of scale for how how much merit you're going to put in their word versus another person's. And I think this applies even for something like a teacher where like, yeah, they are your teacher. It is their job to give you feedback and critiques. But if your teacher just tells you you did this wrong and then doesn't like offer any like changes to make, doesn't follow up at all, doesn't like address the problem in any way, then you're just going to learn to avoid doing that thing. Likewise, if you're never told what you're doing well for comparison value, you like learn to assume that you're disastrously bad at all parts of a task. Especially because like there are some things where like, yeah, you learn that you did it wrong, like math. Um, you know, if you did your multiplication wrong, you just did your multiplication wrong. But there are a lot of things like essay writing, where if you just get like a bunch of red underlines with no notes, and no one will tell you what's wrong with them, and then you get docked 30 points on an essay, that's not helpful. You're not getting anywhere with that. Like, if you're going to give a critique, you have to articulate what's wrong and how to fucking fix it. Yeah. Like, you can't just show up with a list of problems. You have to show up with some kind of at least the first step of a solution. Yeah. I have some big opinions about this. This is one of the reasons that I love constructive feedback instead of constructive criticism, because it really is the whole package. Like, it's not just, I am yeah. telling you all of the things that are wrong with this thing that you did. It's... Some things work, some things don't. Here's why all of that is the case. As yeah. with so many of the things that we discuss, thorough communication is key to everything. And it really should be about balance. Yeah. And it's also like feedback yeah. also entails this idea that there is like a hole to it. It's not like the whole thing is wrong because of a couple of mistakes. It's it's a lot more of a like a taking a step back and being like, there's some good in here. Let's figure out how to make it better together because there's like good things in here and you don't just have to throw the whole thing away. Yeah, that actually yeah. that actually brings up one of my um one of the things that I reference a lot when talking about giving feedback. You're trying to make something into what the other person is trying to make it not into what you want it to be don't let yeah. your vision override what the other person is intending to do with it try to make their vision shine don't yeah don't don't take control of it yeah especially with creative yeah. stuff like writing or art or that sort of stuff like especially the case when you're yeah. giving feedback on that sort of thing it should be about like the person who's receiving the feedback's vision being nurtured and grown instead of you imposing what you would have done with it because then you should just go do or write or make that art. Yes. Which is why yeah. like part of the important detail about giving feedback about things is that sometimes you are not the right person to give feedback on something. Mm. I personally do not read a lot of like, I don't know, what's a good example? Um, 
I don't read a lot of romance novels as a genre. If someone asked me to give them feedback on like the writing of a romance novel they were working on, I would be able to tell them like grammar. I would be able to tell them like character structure and narrative structure, but I wouldn't be able to give them anything of real use on the novel as a romance because it's just not the kind of thing I'm familiar with. I would tell them to find someone else who was more capable of giving them that feedback. That's not a failure on your part. It's okay to be like, this actually just isn't my area, Mm -hmm. but you should admit that instead of just (laughs) talking out of your ass and just saying whatever you feel is right, because then you will probably fuck up. There's also like saying like, I'm not an expert on this matter and I, or I don't know like the technical parts of it, but I can give you some like how I feel about it or how it worked for me personally. But like, I don't know how much help that'll be to you. Yeah. Uh, another very important thing up front. Did the person ask for feedback to begin with? If not, yes. do yes. not offer feedback if they are not asking for it because it's extremely rude. People do shit for fun. Yeah. People do yeah. shit for fun. Is the thing like, hey, if you're like at work and someone who works for you made a mistake, yeah, go ahead and give them that unsolicited feedback. Don't be a douchebag, but go ahead. If you're just like out in the world and someone is doing something for personal amusement, they probably don't need you to correct their comma use. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And um, one of the things I also wanted to bring up is when you do decide to give feedback, which I think plays into the whole like don't give feedback to just like random people who haven't asked for mm-hmm. it. I think a good guiding principle when you're giving feedback is um, who are you giving feedback for? Are you doing it for yourself to make yourself feel like you know something and that you like that you have like the upper hand in this situation? Or are you doing it to actually help the person who's receiving the feedback be nurtured and grow and get better at the thing that they're doing because they've asked for your help? Because like you should always be centering the person that's actually getting the feedback and not centering your own ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I think it tends to get in the way of a lot of feedback. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of saying that. Of like, yeah. this is not about you. Yeah. yeah feedback shouldn't be about you at all feedback should be about the other person and helping them grow in a way that's actually constructive and not quashing them yeah yeah and i think obviously like if you are someone who like me really struggles to emotionally parse criticism and like has a hard time with it i had to learn to do it if, like you are going to get negative feedback in your life it is just a fact maybe see a therapist about it i don't know um <laughs> but For the people giving the feedback, there is a way to give negative feedback that doesn't make it sound like you're being unkind, for lack of a better word. Um, There's a huge difference between being like, I don't like this. I'm I'm just going to use writing metaphors because that's that's what I do. (laughs) I don't like this character. I think you should change them versus being like this character doesn't seem like they work in like this way or they didn't work for me in that way. And like, what are you trying to achieve with them? Because it didn't seem like it was coming through. Those are essentially the same sentence phrased in radically different ways. And one of them is way less awful to hear. And one of them is also significantly more detailed in a way that is a lot more helpful. Yeah, like, I don't like X is really unhelpful. If you walk up to me while I'm knitting and you're like, you don't, I don't like the color you used, okie doke. That's <laughs> super great. Um, fortunately, I'm, I don't care and I don't have to care. But if you walk up to me and you're like, hey, 
the person you're making this for is allergic to wool. Are you using wool yarn? That's a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> That's also not feedback. That's general harm like management. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it is still like it is still yeah. essentially the same thing of being like, hey, like X way that you're doing Y thing might be a problem. Have you considered looking at it? But yeah, anyway, it's about paying attention to the way you speak which I think is important across the board. And it's about considering why you're giving that feedback. And it's about making sure that you do have some positive shit to say. Like, if every single thing you have to say is a negative, you may not be the audience to give that feedback. Yeah. And be kind, even with your, even with the negative aspects. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. You did a great job. I think that was a great segment. That was, I think we should just call it. I think that was really succinct. Yeah, cool. yeah I think, I think we think should call it. sums it all up. All right. Should I do the outro? Yeah. Yep. yep. All right. That's been us, the Quapple. As always, a big thank you to Molly of Geography for the use of her song, Hanahaki Bloom, for our music. Come find us on Twitter or at Instagram at ATWR Podcast, at Tumblr at Quapple Network, or even by email at quapplenetwork at gmail.com. Toss us a question or an advice topic or apparently a very short question for a middle section. Uh, we love hearing from you. And of course, go ahead and check out our Patreon at the ATWR Podcast if you want to tip me for my editing work. If you love our podcast, please share with your friends and leave a comment wherever you listen. And as always, remember, we believe in you. Bye. 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 Bye.